Welcome to the Awake Podcast. This is Noelle Yates, and I'm so happy that you've decided to join me again today. Uh, We're going to be talking a little bit about Thailand, and if you've been following along and listening to the other podcasts, then you've heard me talk about this, about my uh, recent trip to Thailand. That podcast was called Sanitized Gospel, and I talked a lot about how my experience there really impacted me. I mean, it just rocked my world in, in so many ways. And I know I shared some of those stories with you already, but today I wanted to go a little deeper into this topic, a, a little deeper into this issue of trafficking and, and what it really means and, and specifically how it's impacting the country of Thailand. And so we're going to answer some important questions. So to do that, I've invited a friend of mine, Kaylin Santos. She is a colleague of mine. She works here at World Help, and she's been here for about two years. And she's our Asia and Middle East Project Administrator. But more importantly, Kaylin grew up all over the world, so she really just has an incredible wealth of life experiences and really a global perspective. And what I really love about Kaylin is that we have a shared passion for Thailand and for really rescuing as many girls there as possible. So Kaylin, thank you for joining me today. And I wanted you to share with my listeners a little bit about yourself and why this work in Thailand is so important to you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and be able to share a little bit about this. Um, And this is an issue that's been on my heart for many years. I can even remember um, as a young teenager sitting in church and hearing from missionaries about this particular subject. And I remember thinking to myself, how is this even possible and why aren't we doing more? Um, And since then, I have been passionate about making sure I'm educated on this topic, but let me tell you now, when I touched down in Thailand for the first time last September, my world was rocked. Um, Knowing the stats and hearing the stories was one thing, but witnessing everything firsthand, it changed so much for me because it just felt like in Thailand there was no hidden agenda. It was like everything, and I I truly mean everything, was in plain sight. For instance, in the city of Pattaya, uh, brothels were on the side of every road that I looked on. And um, I remember one street that we went down, there were hundreds of girls on the sidewalk um, and the beaches, and they were just standing there, and they were just waiting for their customers. Um, And to put this in perspective, from where I was, you couldn't see the end of the line of girls. They were from one end of the beach to the other. And um, it broke my heart. It it made me feel defeated um, and, and a little powerless. And what was really hard for me to see is that everyone on the street seemed to be fully embracing this or fully ignoring it. There wasn't anyone standing up for those girls there. Um, and that, that was my realization. That realization further cemented for me just how important this issue is. Um, So this is where I feel like we have to pay attention because this industry isn't booming without paying customers. Um, This isn't just a Thailand problem like we'd like it to be, and it would be really comfortable, I feel like, if we could sit here in our homes and just think of this problem as far away and maybe we could do something about it or maybe we couldn't. But we're talking about human life here. Innocent, real girls who are handcuffed to society and this sick cycle, and they can't escape it, and they need our voices. 
I think this is going to actually surprise a lot of people, but I did want to bring out that 50% of these customers are Westerners. And because of that fact alone, we need to understand that this is partly our problem. We have to speak up because we've been a part of this problem since inception. Uh, In fact, while many people assume that the bars and the brothels that these girls work in are owned by ties, that's actually not the case. We know that one of the red light districts near our partner is owned by an American who rents his property to about 40 bars, and 30 of those he personally owns and manages. So it's Western investors like this man that are encouraging this cycle to continue because they open more and more bars, which in turn continue to run the industry. So I know that was a really long answer to your very short question, but that's why this is important to me. And I love that you brought up that point about our responsibility as Westerners. I, that that same point impacted me so much when I was in Patia, which is the birthplace of the sex industry in Thailand. And I remember being told that it all started uh, during the Vietnam War. So it was once just this quiet little town when the soldiers started coming there on R&R, that's how everything began. And so it really does make you look at it in a different perspective. And I think a lot of these facts are surprising to most people and to a lot of our listeners. But it's, it's these kind of facts that we need to sort of wake us up to this issue. So that's what we're doing today. So let's discuss for a few minutes, you know, some questions a lot of people would have, maybe even some misconceptions on this topic. And let me just uh, start by putting this out there on behalf of Kaylin and I both that by no means are we claiming to be experts on this issue. We are just a couple of girls who are very passionate about something and on a mission to not just be passionate about it, but do something about it. And so we are immersing ourselves in this issue. We've both been there. We're learning as much as we can. And all we want to do is share with you what we've learned and kind of pick up on some of the questions that we've noticed people are asking or that we've asked ourselves. So the kind of the big one that I want to start with is just actually the word trafficking. What does that word really mean? This is a a process uh, that I really had to go through as I got deeper into this issue, I realized how broad the word trafficking is and that you really have to understand that it's sort of an umbrella term that uh, that so many issues fall underneath of. And it's much broader than I ever imagined. And so I'm kind of got I'm going to kind of give you a a textbook definition literally of this. Uh, There's a report put out by the State Department every year called, in short, the tip report. It's trafficking in persons report. And um, they clearly define what trafficking in persons means. And I'm going to read you a short part of that just to help get us all on the same page. But it says trafficking in persons or human trafficking and modern slavery have been used as umbrella terms for the act of recruiting, harboring, transporting, providing or obtaining a person for compelled labor or commercial sex acts through the use of force, fraud or coercion. It goes on to say human trafficking can include but does not require movement. People may be considered trafficking victims regardless of whether they were born into a state of servitude, were exploited in their hometown, were transported to the exploitive situation, previously consented to work for a trafficker, or participated in a crime as a direct result of being subjected to trafficking. So I feel like uh, that definition, although it is textbook and we need to sort of break it down, 
really goes to show you all the different issues that fall under trafficking. And I think specifically as it applies to what Kaylin and I have experienced in Thailand, more often than not, these girls are not moved from one country to another. There are cases of that, but a lot of the girls that, that we are working with, these are Thai girls. And just because they haven't been trafficked in the sense of the word um, that we are most familiar with and moved to another country does not mean they are not being exploited. Absolutely, Noah. I couldn't agree more. And and if we did break down that definition a little more, I think I would say it's the trade of men, women, or children with the intent of exploiting them, whether that be for sexual acts or labor or really anything else. And while it's easy to look at Thailand and label everything as human trafficking, I think it's important to point out that the true problem here is really sexual exploitation. Um, many people think that women are trafficked for sex while males are trafficked for labor or something like that, when in actuality, a majority of people are trafficked specifically for sex purposes rather than labor. And while we often understand this as a trap that women fall into, boys are also targeted. Um, Here's a real life scenario that I know of. A 12-year-old boy was promised to work on a shrimp boat to help support his family. And, And when I say, I mean, I think I need to go back and just say, that we're talking, because I kind of glossed over this, it was a 12-year-old boy. Mm -hmm. And so that right then, can you even imagine, I know you have two young boys, um, which I'm probably going to get in trouble for because one of them is not young, I feel like, right? (laughs) Teenager, okay. But you have one young boy. And um, to imagine sending him off to work for his family that that's something that really hits home, I think, for a lot of our audience. So let me just rephrase this and, and say a 12 year old boy may be promised to work on a shrimp boat um, to help support his family. But instead, when that ship docks, he ends up sold into the sex industry and he's going to to suffer unspeakable horrors. We know that we know that that has happened. We've heard stories from the field about that. Um And explaining sex trafficking as a whole is a tricky thing. There's a lot of assumptions and stereotypes, I think, that people may base um, what they've seen in the news or, or in movies on. And it's almost, for me, easier to explain what's different than what most people think to be true. So I think I want to hone in on that for a little bit um, and give you maybe another example if you're okay with that. People may think that sex trafficking only happens across borders, like you mentioned, and that girls are trafficked in larger group, like in, I think we picture cargo containers um, or trucks or even cages, if if we can be a little bit graphic, because that really is reality. Um and while absolutely, like you said, that that does certainly exist, it's not the only way that trafficking occurs. Um, in our minds, I think we see these these scary men in dark alleys who are going to pounce or waiting to kidnap their next victim. But truly, that is not always the case. Um, our partner shared a story with me about a doctor who visited a hill tribe village and offered free healthcare services. And of course, this tribe saw him as this benevolent good Samaritan. But here's what actually happened. He lined those girls up and examined them one by one. And then he picked the one that he wanted. This doctor told the family that she needed to be taken back to Bangkok for further medical care. But that absolutely did not happen. Once she arrived in Bangkok, she was held captive by him. 
And that is the harsh reality that we have to be willing to take in. Um, and another misconception is that all traffickers are male. But um, I think our audience needs to know that there are reportedly as many female traffickers as male traffickers, and that's because of the nurturing persona that females give off to other females. And so they think that they're they're safe talking to this woman and that this woman really has the, the younger girl's best interest at heart. But really what's happening is that um, she's just building trust to have a potential victim. Um, so... For me, I think some of the saddest cases are those girls um, that get trafficked in in that way that they trust someone and then and then something so horrific happens to them and these young boys and girls are sold also by their own kin. Um, that's something that I think is shocking. I know when when my husband and I were over there, that is something that um, as far as for the men in our audience perspective goes, he has a younger sister and the thought that. Um, a grandfather or a father or a brother could sell off a sister into this industry or a sister could sell off a brother was just um, so sobering and so horrific. Um, but but the truth is, is that these people need the financial support so badly that they're willing to take these risks and to let these, these um, boys and girls go. And many times it's that they think, they're going to send them off to a job that, that will, um, or a factory that will eventually pay what they need. But what happens is that they're trafficked. And this all ties back to the cultural and the societal factors of Thailand specifically. Yeah, those stories, Kaylin, they, they really help explain this issue. And I think, you know, regardless of how we define trafficking, uh, to me, the phrase that, that really explains it to me and, I, and to me encompasses what's going on in every situation is just modern-day slavery. Absolutely. I mean, I think we all can get our arms around that, what that term means, the history of that term, how so many people think slavery is not even an issue. It's something we fixed years ago, um, but this is modern-day slavery in every sense of the word. So as you can see, we have so much to unpack here, and there's really so much to discuss around this issue, and I don't want to cut this discussion short. So I'm going to ask you to join us next week for part two of this discussion as we continue to unpack the misconceptions of trafficking and the sex trade and answering, hopefully, a lot of your questions. I want to leave you today with a quote uh, that really impacted me by Secretary of State John Kerry that says, Money may be able to buy a lot of things, but it should never, ever be able to buy another human being. Until next week, may we all find ourselves living our life awake to the needs of the world.